Welcome back to the Cult of Domesticity. I'm here again with Jason uh, from History of Bad Ideas, which sounds like a completely different podcast, like a Florida Man podcast. Because uh, uh, we have T-shirts, and our <laughs> T-shirts uh, specifically say "Not a History Podcast." <laughs> Basically, we started the idea um, years ago. One of my co-hosts uh, worked in a movie theater, and we would preview the movies before they came out to make sure the film was okay. And every time somebody was doing something dumb on the film, we're like. The history of bad ideas, probably not the best thing to do that. And uh, so when we were looking for titles for the show, my buddy's like, why don't we do that? And I was like, okay. And then about five episodes in, we're like, oh, crap. People think we're a history podcast. Damn it. <laughs> so we are not. We're a pop culture podcast uh, every Tuesday night that we sell. So, uh, we do a little history, but not really much. And I'm like, I don't. Uh, <laughs> You do history of pop culture sometimes, occasionally, maybe. Yes, yes, that sounds good. <laughs> that should be the tagline. Sometimes, occasionally, maybe. 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 <laughs> maybe. I mean, I put pop culture. I I've kept bringing Hamilton in to a couple episodes recently, not on purpose. Mm -hmm. It just keeps coming up. I and have I've... yet to see Hamilton. I've yet, and it's on Disney Plus now too. I don't have Disney Plus. Oh. It's right up my jam. It is the topic that I studied for two years and the correct period. And it upsets me greatly because we both have be adult beverages now. I'm we drinking, do. I'm drinking an Oktoberfest which, from work, which is we don't even have any. So, And you have a Truly. What I flavor have, Truly do you have? I have Truly Orange. Hmm. But anyways, we're going to talk about a rebellion, the That's Jacobite right. Rebellion. We're going to only talk about four of them. There are more. I think there's like nine. Which I don't know. Which one is Leia in? That's the rebellions <laughs> I know. Is that the one? <laughs> no. Did anybody name Leia nope. in this one? <laughs> uh, we're dealing with the French, so maybe? Maybe? <laughs> maybe? Um, Not in these notes, but there could have been someone named Leia involved in this. Okay. But we're dealing with... So it's uprising, rebellions, and wars in Great Britain and Ireland and Scotland. Really, the Scottish-Irish border and whatnot between 1688 and 1746. So, big chunk of time. And the main goal is to return the Stuarts, specifically James II, the House of England, and he's the set seventh of Scotland. I had to do Roman numeral math. Who is the last Catholic British monarch, you know... Because there was some head chopping off with the Charleses and all of that. How many did he have? Did he kill? Charles? He yes. Well, the British have only killed one monarch okay. officially. Officially. <laughs> <laughs> There's some dubious questions in there. But Charles, like, um, we have the the English Civil War after, I remember where Charles, the, it's after James I, so after the, Stu uh, the Tudors. And this is where Cromwell takes over for a bit and they have, like, they, nobody can dance. It's like um, footloose. Yes, it's like <laughs> footloose. And then they bring them back. They bring back Charles II and James II. I believe, if I remember correctly, is his brother. But he was Catholic, and that's a problem because we're still in the midst of the Protestant Revolution, Reformation. So is Charles Kevin Bacon in this role? He brought the dancing back. Did he bring the dancing back? Yes, actually. Okay. When they killed Cromwell, the dancing came back, and Christmas. <laughs> Damn you, Cromwell. <laughs> Cromwell literally took away Christmas. He was like, no, we are not doing this. And everybody's like, but Christmas, we like it. There's presents and a feasting. Who doesn't have, like, it's a good time. So they get, the Stuarts get deposed during the Glorious Revolution, which was a bloodless kind of revolution. And it's really from James that we get the name Jacobite because Jacobus is the Latin form of James. Because, you know, 
Let it's not dead yet. We're not dead yet. Bring out your dead. Nope, still going. I'm getting better. I, think not. I'll go for I can quote way too much of that movie. <laughs> like a freakish amount of that movie. We see under William and Mary or William and Queen Anne, so they would be the ones put forth in the Glorious Revolution, where the Jacobites often are exiled in France or Italy, and there's a lot of disgruntled soldiers and politicians. So pretty much they've been kicked out. They're like, go away. You are Catholic. Be gone. Which is nicer than normally how they dealt with it, which was a lot of burnings and death. We're moving up in the world. Moving up. Yeah. So our first rising is in 1689. And we'll get to the 1700s ones. They'll all just be referred to by the end year. Okay. So February 1685, James II and seventh. It's weird because England and Scotland aren't united. So that's why he has two numbers after his name. <laughs> that doesn't happen till 1707. I, like it's I, not a thing. They're still two separate countries ruled by the same person. I think I'm going to start adding two numbers in my name. Just, just to do it. I think he'll come back. Just to fuck with people. Just to do it. <laughs> so he actually comes to power with widespread support, especially in predominantly Catholic Ireland, because the English are also colonizing Ireland at this time. You know, they already got Wales, which everyone forgets is a place. They think they're talking about sea Wales, and they're not the same thing. <laughs> There's a difference. <laughs> There's a difference, as well as trying to slowly integrate their way into Scotland. So for Ireland, James was hoped that like they were like, oh, maybe he'll reverse land confiscations and restrictions on the Irish, Catholic Irish's ability to hold office. Guess what? That doesn't happen until the uh, 1800s. So sorry to ruin that party. Spoiler, geez. Spoiler, Catholics in, in the UK don't get a vote until like the mid 1800s as a former That's catholic it. i'm just going to keep my mouth shut on this <laughs> lot there's a lot of questions about like the natural air because they just came out of the the english civil war not the war of the roses that's another civil war with michael douglas different no this is the one that stars keeps doing series about oh okay you know, white princess white queen that mm -hmm. one that's okay. war of the roses it's got to be better than that <laughs> <laughs> on top of it there's also a bunch of mini like Protestant risings, Catholic risings, everyone's rising. And we see in 1681, the Scottish Succession and Test Acts, which made obedience to the monarch a legal obligation regardless of religion, which is fair. And so James is like, I'm going to promise to uphold the primacy of the Church of Scotland or the Kirk, which is Protestant, not Catholic. So it's a battle back and forth. At this point, 95% of Scots are members of the Kirk. And if you think of Mary, Queen of Scots, the most probably famous Scottish queen. She was really Catholic, like super Catholic. While Catholics in Scotland are less than 2% of the population and they've even barred other Protestant sects. So you might as well be in the Church of Scotland. It's a good idea. Go with the flow. And there is a perception though that starts going around that James is willing to ignore his commitments and to like undermine his coronation oath and his supporters. So that his position in Scotland just starts becoming tenuous and... On top of it, there's like, you have to remember, there's also wars going on on the continent that are impacting everything as well, because they have control over there. I can't remember if Calais is still part of England. It was for a very long time in France, like, but there was a loss of uh, the Protestant Dutch Republic, 
where like the French were trying to get in there. So French Protestants are forced into exile. And since there's close relationships between the Scots and like the Calvinists and the Protestants in Europe, they're like, oh no, are they gonna like, what's gonna happen between these two? So we're throwing religion into this, which is gonna be a key part. But I think most people believe that the Jacobites are Catholic. They're kind of not, but they are close to the Catholics. It's a weird thing, but... What really starts kicking off this is the birth of James Francis Edward in June 10th, and this is in 1860 or 1688. And there, so now there's a prospect of a Catholic dynasty because James is Catholic, and now his son would also be Catholic. So everyone's like, uh, Parliament's like, hey, we're gonna get your Protestant daughter Mary and her husband William of Orange to come over here instead. That's the glorious revolution. They're like, we're just gonna do a little like rotatey and put Protestants in charge. Thanks, you guys are awesome. <laughs> Sorry, James, <laughs> Charles, everybody gone. <laughs> Sorry, new child. You don't get to be in charge. <laughs> your sister is. Cool. So that's how a Dutchman ended up on the English throne. Additionally, there's a prosecution, uh, persecution of the seven bishops, which is like, they're like, there's a, an assault onto the Church of England, which also appears to threaten the Kirk. So there's like, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? Because at this point, like, now we're all worried, like, people are like, oh, there's a war on Christmas. Yeah, there, if there's a war on Christmas, we're not going to murder people. Like, there aren't priests hidey holes. Like, you're not going to get killed for your religion. And in this case, legitimately, they've burned people for their religion. So they're a little scared. Also, Christmas was completely banned for the sake of Christianity. So the war on Christus, Christi uh, Christmas is bullshit. Tell I don't you go really to how I feel, don't I? <laughs> I? I don't go to Macy's and see anyone burning at the stake this year. <laughs> like, no one's burning a Christmas tree, which is a Victorian invention anyways, but... I would pay to see somebody burn a Christmas tree. That'd be kind of fun. Instead of the... In the middle of a Macy's? Yeah! <laughs> Just damn it. it. You know why? It goes back to those Ents. Burn a freaking Ent. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> freaking Ents. Ugh. Put some jingle bells on them. <laughs> oh my God. So, this attack on the seven bishops also appears to the Scottish church. So political authority for James in Scotland and England just gets completely wiped out. And so it, by 1688, everyone goes, you know, the only way to prevent a civil war is to just get rid of James. Like, let's just get rid of James. It's going to be fine. Well, they're also England, like the UK, I'm just going to call it the UK. It's not a thing at this point, but the UK was also kind of fighting with France or threatening to fight with France, which is 90% of their history together is they're always fighting. They're like two siblings. Yes. And William of Orange is really like, um, hey, England over here in the Netherlands, can we get like some support and materials? Because we are small and you are larger. He does get um, support for arm an armed intervention across the channel from pretty much everybody. They're all like, yep, um, but you got to come over here. This is the start of the Nine Years' War. If you're in America, you've learned about that briefly because it impacts us. And that's the only way we learn about things. Pretty much. And this is, we see James going into exile on December 23rd because William lands, much of the Royal Army had deserted James. And we see that February, the next February, so... 1689 parliament this is like really parliament goes william and mary you are now joint monarchs of england merry christmas well happy valentine's day i guess but <laughs> don't mention so, christmas <laughs> i keep mentioning it we're not celebrating it's covid that's right um and we also see that you know william brings scottish 
exile advisors in. So we have like Ar- Lord of Argyle, Melville. Because yes, Argyle is a place, in case you're wondering. And in March that year, they wanted to expel the bishops from the Kirk, which don't mess with people's religion. They get very upset. And at their convention, the delegates are split roughly 75-50 between 125 delegates. And they're like Presbyterians, Episcopalians, which Episcopalians are just the Church of England. So it's like the Church of Scotland battling the Church of England. And then there's a tiny minority that are like, we're loyal to James. Who's now in exile. (laughs) Yeah, who's now in France. So (laughs) he doesn't matter. Or does he? Because on March 12th, this is always where it goes. They're like, the Jacobites don't matter. And then they're just like, you never expect the Jacobites. (laughs) So March 12th, James lands in Ireland. He sent the convention, so the convention up in Scotland, a letter, which was read out. And he was like, I want obedience and I'm threatening punishment if you don't comply with me. So the public was like, hold a minute. What? So some Episcopalians actually stopped attending meetings. They said they were afraid for their safety and others were like changing sides on top of it. And the Catholic Duke of Gordon held Edinburgh Castle for James. So like he actually got like a foothold back on the aisle while um, the military commander Viscount Dundee began recruiting troops. They're actually forming like rebellions. And that's the crazy thing about this. They keep forming these rebellions, like with a decent number of troops too. And this effect was to bolster the Presbyterian majority in the convention. So the Church of Scotland majority in the convention. And it would meet behind closed doors, guarded by its own troops. April 11th, the convention actually ended James's reign and adopted the Articles of Grievances and Claim of the Rights Act, which would make Parliament the primary legislative power in Scotland. Again, they're still not a united kingdom. They're still two separate kingdoms at this point. Like England and Scotland are separate, technically. Well... Later on, uh, the next month, May, William and Mary actually accept the Scottish throne and they're like, this convention is now a full parliament. You're welcome. (laughs) So it's like the glorious revolution has gone completely through. Everyone's like, cool, 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 except for the Jacobites. But Dundee getting troops to support James was supposed to complement a war in Ireland, which would rely on support from Ulster. So... In Scotland, their leader was Hugh Mackay, who was an experienced soldier with around 3,500 troops. So that's that's a decent number of troops in this period to just, like, rustle up. Sure. You're not getting a t- basic farmer right there. You don't have, like, Bob and Tom over there. 3,500 is pretty impressive. Well, uh, around 1,000 of the men were veterans of the Dutch Scots Brigade. So they fought over in across the channel. And we have Ewan Cameron of Lochlil, who assembled 1,800 Highlanders at Glenroy. So then Dundee joins them with around 40 companions. So he is the low man on this totem pole, just rolling (laughs) up with 40 on May 8th. And they're like, they're going um, against McKay. So you have around 2,000, like a little under 2,000 men against 3,500 men. So you're a little, eh. McKay knows that highland warfare is very short term it's like much more of like guerrilla style than like everybody lines up and we all fight like all orderly like we always see in i'm trying to think of like the napoleonic wars or that horrible movie the patriot very accurate movie very (laughs) that they have new england towns in the south yes (laughs) so accurate so accurate that movie doesn't know where it's taking place so McKay just keeps, like, moving away. Dundee returns to Glenroy in late June, and most of the clansmen are like, deuces, and he has less than 200 men. <laughs> I just love that the clansmen were like, dude, we were here. 
been a while. We haven't bought. We haven't really done anything. We got to go, like, take care of our stuff. Okay, bye. <laughs> because of this, Gordon surrenders Edinburgh Castle in June 14th, while the Jacobite retreat in Ulster, like, really, they couldn't even resupply. <laughs> so it's just like, it was just kind of like, where it's like, you know, it's just kind of like, it's like when those inflatable guys just start slowly deflate. From the car shot, the car dealerships? Yeah, oh. that's what's happening. They did manage to get some reinforcements of 300 Irish soldiers under Alexander Cannon, and he lands near Duart on July 21st, which, I mean, I think people forget how close Ireland and Scotland are. It's not a far boat journey, and it's, like, common for people to go in between the two. So Dundee installs a Jacobite garrison at Blair Castle, and they're like, okay, we can control all the access from the highlands to the lowlands. And, like, with this, a lot of the times you see... Uh, nobles and all that trying to balance both sides because they're like I don't know which way this is gonna go are you gonna win are oh, William Mary gonna win like who's gonna win the reinforces get to Blair on July 25th so like a couple days like a couple days March later the owner retreats uh, McKay left Perth with around his third uh, 3,500 men and they're like okay let's go they meet at oh god I should have looked this up Killy Cranky Kilkenny Kilkenny it could be Kilkenny if that's right, that might be the first thing I've ever gotten right. <laughs> it's like Pronouncing. Killy Cranky. Kill Cranky? I'll, just, cranky? I'll try to make it sound Scottish. I'm cranky? sorry, Kevin. I'm so sorry, CK. I'm so sorry I could have asked you. We're going to Kill Cranky. Cranky. Kill cranky. <laughs> Home so of they... Michael Caine. That's not accurate. That's not accurate. Not accurate at all. Um, so they meet there two days later. The Jacobites actually win a resounding victory. They inflicted nearly 2,000 casualties on McKay's army. So they're down to 1,500. I can't do some math. That's pretty impressive that they they took away 2,000. Yes. It is their home territory, so they do know the land better. Mm-hmm. Also, their hatred of the English is very strong but a third of the jacobites were killed including dundee so alexander cannon takes over his leaders but his options are limited they don't have siege equipment he can't capture a port so they're shit out of luck there's no chance of supply and they have no cavalry so they're like you know what are we gonna do mckay on the other hand he goes okay they're kind of shit out of luck as long as i avoid another ambush we should be good so there was an assault on dunkeld in august which they got pushed away. The Jacobites have heavy losses. Cannon ends the campa- campaign for the year and disperses his arm. He's like, it's winter. It's going to be cold. Let's regroup later. McKay actually winters in, like, he would go around and reduce Jacobite strongholds. So he'd go and search for them because he knows they're just going to be hunkering down and trying to, like, survive the winter. And he constructed a new base at Fort William, which was named after the new king, during the weather, which actually led to food shortages, which isn't good if you're trying to feed an army, because you kind of need bodies. Because at this point, you could kind of win wars by just throwing people at it. Like, that's what Stalin did. Yeah. It, it, it worked. You have enough people, they're going to take over, especially then. You're not have, you're not worried about technology. <laughs> Here, just go out there on the field. Have a good day. Well, like, the British have cannons and cavalry, and, like, they can get reinforcements, so they do have the opportunity to throw men at it. Mm-hmm. I always liked that back then. It was basically, if you could survive the winter, then you're okay. But no one ever survived. One army never survived. <laughs> one army always got depleted during the winter because they didn't have enough food or anything. Yeah. Thomas Buchan replaces cannon in February of... 
1690, but he could only gather 800 men and then was taken by surprise at Cromdale in May. So they lasted five, six-ish months and his forces scatter. He gets pursued into Aberdeenshire, Aberdeenshire, and this really, he can't get a secure base to like regroup all his men. And we do see that November, McKay actually relinquishes his command to Thomas Livingstone, which I was like, he is doing a good job. He should not relinquish his command. <laughs> he just keeps trouncing them like should have just left him. But because they have to, they're like, okay, we're still fighting France over on the continent. In March uh, in March 1690, Lord Star- Stair offers the Jacobite chiefs 12,000 pounds in, um, in 12,000. How much is that? I did not look that up, but I should have seen that. Um, I'll get it. I got it. Okay. Got you. you get 12,000 pounds for swearing allegiance to William. And even now, I'd be like, 12,000 pounds? That Again, the exchange rate is fantastic right now, so I'll take it. This turns the tide, and in June 1691, so they've lasted like three years, they have the declaration of Akshahadar, and this will like formally end the war, kind of, but it officially ends with the Glencoe Massacre in February 1692. Did you find it? Yes. Three million two hundred forty-five thousand nine hundred eighty-seven dollars and thirty-seven cents. Would you turn against your cause for that? Three million dollars? No, not really. I don't think I would. (laughs) If I can't be on a somewhere in exile for the rest of my life, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Three million. I don't know. That's a tough call. That's a tough call. In 1690, probably not. (laughs) I mean, well, maybe because you're only going to live to what? 55? Anyways, your life expectancy. Yeah, it depends. I mean, it depends. But yeah, like, I mean, with that money, you could go off to Italy. Eh, no, it's a lot of fighting. Try to think of where you could go where there's not as much fighting. Norway? You know, just go... (laughs) No, they're still fighting. (laughs) Go on a Caribbean island. Like, buy... Like, just take over an island. Uh, The life expectancy in... uh, Let's see here. 1690? Yeah. Is around 39.7 years. But we're talking about the upper class, though. So they got better food and, like, they're they're doing better. 41.7 then. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give it a buffer of two years. So about so, 50. About 50 years old. Yeah. So we know that Cannon and Buchan had been sheltered in the Highlands by Glengarry as a part of the, like, like they get a deal to get safe conduct to France in March 1692. A lot of people go to fucking France. <laughs> It's a quick tri- it's a quick boat trip. It's a dangerous boat trip, but it's quick. We do see a significant amount of the Scottish political class remains remaining outside of the Kirk, so outside of the Presbyterian Church, and they would actually start forming the Scottish Episcopal Church, officially sanctioned in 1711. So they form a Scottish version of the the Church of England. <laughs> because that religious like that's also playing a part of who's siding with who is like religion, too. And we see a lot of the support actually came from Aberdeenshire and Perthshire. And this would be a major source of Jacobite power in the next half century. Well, we're going to get to the 15 rebellion or the rising of the 15. So it's 1715. But you have to remember, we're still dealing with the fact that people are upset that there isn't a Stuart ruler. We have William and Mary and William is Dutch. So they're ruining ruling now the islands jointly but we start having issues because mary doesn't have kids her sister anne doesn't have kids this is the one that they just did the um the movie with olivia coleman about that anne and so the 1701 act of settlement ensured a protestant successor excluding 
Catholics from the English and Irish thrones and that of Great Britain after the 1707 Act of Union, which if I remember correctly, Ireland isn't technically part of it until 1801. <laughs> so we got time. So Ireland's still a separate, we're going to call it colony. Sorry, Ireland. Wales isn't even mentioned. So <laughs> they're like, hey, over here. Got anything? Hello? They, they built like walls and castles there and they're like we've got this we we've tamped you down we put sheep over there you're good <laughs> leave us alone one of england's greatest exports is sheep <laughs> and people and, and like imperialism but uh so anne would actually be the last Stuart monarch on the throne they were like okay her heir is the protestant Sophie, sophia of hanover not james the third well sophia died two months before anne <laughs> so like what are we maybe we do like james <laughs> we like james it's like it's like the bachelor but who's gonna be on the throne and it's not going to be james it's like the question and less hot tubs less hot tubs involved less hot tub i mean I, I, there could have been hot tubs that could have been we probably just don't know about them they had a great time read about marie antoinette that woman knew how to party <laughs> Or like uh, Georgiana, the Duchess of Devonshire, she knew how to party. But her son, George the First, so this is where we get the Hanoverian, and everybody was like, "How do we get all these George?" This is like George the First, George the Second, Mad George the Third. I believe there's George the Fourth. They really like the name George, and this is how the Germans started ruling England. Because <laughs> let me tell you, the Queen of England is technically German. The Stuarts in exile have French support. They're living on the French dime. I honestly, I was like, y'all crazy, but okay. The French really only accepted the Protestant succession to end to end the war of the Spanish succession. Because again, like I mentioned, there's a lot of wars. The 18th century like, is barely any peace. <laughs> Everybody's fighting everybody and throwing little tiffs around. And you're just like, do you guys like need a Snickers or something? Like, are you okay? You wonder how much money was spent on these wars, too. Like So much. Yeah. Like, what could you so have done much. with that? <laughs> well, if you think about it, just maintaining a navy, yeah. maintaining a standing army, recruiting, sending them all over the world. I mean, we really can't count the East India Company because they're a company that runs like a country. It's fine. <laughs> we'll eventually cover them if I want to get real sad. <laughs> Well, after last, after the Kessie case, sure, why not? <laughs> why not? Let's just keep getting sad. <laughs> they banished the Stuarts from France because of this to get, like, allow George I to have a smooth uh, inheritance of the UK. <laughs> just love, they're like, please go somewhere else. <laughs> so they go to Italy. Because <laughs> why? Which Italy isn't a country. It's a bunch of kingdoms right now. And Germany is not a country. It's a bunch of kingdoms. So it's just everybody's fragmented. France is the most cohesive portion. And like Spain. Is that a good thing though? <laughs> that France is who you're looking to? I mean, France is cohesive in that they have a king, but they're still very divided because their power is more fragmented, which leads to the French Revolution. Yes. And Les Mis. I would say, and Les Mis. <laughs> see, the French was good. That was good for something. See? <laughs> <laughs> so, March 14th, 1715, James, baby James from before, goes to Pope Clement the, the 11th. I had to remember which side. I got to read Catholic nu or Roman numerals again. It always throws <laughs> me off. So he goes to the Pope and he's like, please help us take back our throne. And says, quote, it is not much of a devoted son oppressed by the injustices of his enemies as a persecute as a persecuted church threatened with destruction, which appeals for the protection and help of its worthy pontiff and quote, which the Catholic church has significant powers and armies at this point that people always forget. 
Catholic Church had armies. They led wars along with the Crusades, which were super fucked up. Crusades were completely legit. No issues with those whatsoever, right? No, they definitely did not have one where they just shipped off children. No, they never did and, anything wrong. They're fine. They're fine. And they it's don't fine. know where the children went. It's very topical of today. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so James in August wrote to, uh, he's like, okay, I know that the great general Marlboro would come and help support me. So he writes to the Duke of Berwick, his illegitimate brother, and Marlboro's nephew. He, he's like, I think now is the time to go. This is like a do or die moment. So there's they haven't agreed on anything. Well, the Earl of Mar goes, I'm going to sail from London to Scotland. And he lands at Braemar in Aberdeenshire and has the first war council August 27th. So James wrote that letter on the... 23rd like five days no four days later yeah there's a war council (laughs) he gets shit done (laughs) he's like i think this is a great idea so mar raises at the beginning of september raises the standard of james the eighth and the third it's the eighth of scotland third of england with 600 supporters so you know like a good fair yeah the jacobites have always been successful in northern scotland they took inverness gordon castle Aberdeen, they get to Dundee. They cannot capture Fort William, which is kind of one of the key forts. And if you watch Outlander, that's the fort in Scotland where all the bad things happen. Well, Edinburgh Castle, because there's Scottish geography. I believe it's a little lower. It's further south. The government starts storing up arms for 10,000 men and had 100,000 pounds paid to Scotland when they were like, like, oh my gosh. What year is that? 100,000? Uh, 1715. So when people, like, they were like preparing. Lord Drummond with 80 Jacobites. They're preparing for 10,000 men. He goes, <laughs> me and 80 dudes. Let's go. Try to take the castle at night. But the governor of the castle learned of their plans and was like, my bitch. This is like a fire festival, isn't it? <laughs> like this is. <laughs> but they keep like I understand like there's this passion. They're like they want to take their country back. They want their rulers back. But it just gets sadder. Uh, that uh, that was 21 million. Just a light 20. <laughs> the amount the British spent on this. 21? So the, yeah. The amount the Scots got out of the Brits for this. Bravo! Like the the, the <laughs> well English. Done. Bravo! You did a great job. <laughs> Um, so in October, Mars Forest is near 20,000. So he gets more and more people. So these 20,000 men take control of all Scotland above the Firth of Forth, apart from Stirling Castle. So they got a good chunk of Scotland. But Mars was like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. And when they capture Perth and begin to move south, 2,000 men were like, like kind of like they're waffling. Mar gave like this hesitation around 2,000 men. The Hanoverian commander, du- the Duke of Argyll, increased his uh, strength. He got reinforcements from the Irish garris- garrison because you have to also remember there's a lot. They're like they're subjugating Ireland as well at this point, as well as Wales. <laughs> the 2,000 men at Perth, they're like, okay, what are we gonna do now? Da da da. You gotta be rapid. You're trying to take over a country. You gotta keep going until they don't realize you're there. Uh, well, the 22nd of October, uh, close to the day we're recording, <laughs> Mars gets his commission from James. He goes, I'm appointing you commander of the Jacobite army. Bitch was. I'm sorry. He just took charge. And he was like, I'm leading the shit. James is like, I officially put this little like thing on you. You are now leaders. Well, Mars actually outmans the Hanoverian army three to one. So shit got met. Like he got shit ton of men. <laughs> He'd like throw men at it. Not a good idea, but he could. So he's like, let's take Sterling Castle. On November 13th, they meet at the Battle of Sheriff Muir. Yes. <laughs> We're going with it. I'm so sorry. It's Sheriff 
Mirror. 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 Cranky, I think <laughs> you're right. Sounds like I'm trying to be really... <laughs> uh, it doesn't help that my allergies are acting up either, so it's just... Uh, my voice will be great by the end of this. Just own it. You'll be fine. Just own it. <laughs> I don't have COVID. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Sheriff Mirror. Sheriff Mirror. Um, the fighting was really indecisive. You know, they keep going back and forth. So the Jacobites are at 4,000. Argyle, so the Hanoverians, are at 1,000. So you're like... Easy enough, more men you win. As the Jacobites advance on Argyle, who is poorly protected, he didn't close in. He goes, I got this. You know, it's fine. Argyle lost 660 men, which would be three times as many as Mira, or uh, three times as many as Mar. But Mar's like, I'm going to go back to Perth. Really like Perth. So the same day, Inverness surrenders to the Hanoverian forces, and like, we just keep seeing them getting defeat. So they kind of are petering out. Meanwhile, in England, so there's another front to this war, <laughs> this rebellion, because you bet they, they went into England. So there's a Jacobite conspiracy in Western England, which had three peers of the realm and six MPs, so six members of parliament. The government actually arrested the leaders, including Sir William Wytham, uh, on October 2nd. And, you know, parliament was like, yes, we officiate these. Like, after the fact, they're like, yep, 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 yep. So... This is where the government starts sending reinforcements to defend Bristol, Southampton, Plymouth, because they're like, there's going to be, they're afraid of a French invasion, basically, either from Ireland or from France, because they always are afraid that the French are coming from Ireland. And I'm like, they have to go all the way around. That is not the most easy way to get there. <laughs> I guess if you're trying to surprise, but still, it never made sense for me. Um, Oxford falls under government suspicion uh the general pepper led the dragoons into the city and arrested leading jacobites in oxford so the main rising up in the west of england gets stalled the secondary rising in northumberland goes forth october 6th which included sir uh sir james radcliffe the third earl of derwentwater go with it <laughs> i'm just laughing because i'm like there's probably a perfectly natural reason for it being named that and it's something near water. Like, like you can see it. And William Whitt Whitterington, who is the fourth Baron Whittington, and the future peer, peer, Charles Radcliffe, he would become the fifth Earl of Derwentwater. God, I love British names. Um, <laughs> so, like, they're, they're starting this rising, as well as with getting joined by Edward Howard, who'd be the ninth Duke of Norfolk, which is a pretty powerful duke to have on your side. Norfolk is pretty powerful. There's a lot of the powerful port. There's a lot of business in there. He would join in Lancaster, as well as Robert Cotton, who was one of the leading gentlemen in Huntingdonshire. So you have like top, like top officials joining this. They're like, yes, we want, like, we want the Hanoverians out. And the English Jacobites are joined with the force at the Scottish border, led by William Gordon the sixth Viscount Kenmure. And, you know, this is what's going to re receive Macintosh's contingent. So they march into England. So they actually, like, the English fears of, like, an invasion did happen, but from the wrong border. Like, they're coming down from Scotland. And the government forces catch up with them at the Battle of Preston. That would be November 12th through 14th. The Jacobites won the first day of the battle, killing a large number of Hanoverian forces. But, again, when you're on home territory, it's easier to get reinforcements. Sure. So government got reinforcements the next day and the Jacobites were like, we're going to tap out, please. We were kidding. We apologize. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Most of the lower class people like, you, you fucked. <laughs> 
you know that whole rebellion we were just, we, we, I don't know what you're talking about we were just my bad and you go in prisons and we'll see later like they hunt people down it's a lot and the prisons Maybe. were not great back. Do you want to get a disease? Because <laughs> that's how you get a disease. Except for like maybe like a, like a VD kind of disease, like syphilis or something. But like most other diseases, it's not it's not a clean place. You're not coming You're not... out of there in a good position. Also, you have to pay to be there. Oh, that's right. The fines. That's right. You pay for your food. You pay for like all this stuff. And if you can't, then you get put in debtor's prison and then you get charged to be there. I'm just like, it's a lot. <laughs> So December 22nd, James arrives in Scotland at Peterhead. And you're just like, now you arrive? So much stuff has happened. Let me get you caught up. (laughs) Yeah. And he gets to Perth on January 9th. So he moves pretty quickly where the Jacobite army is numbered fewer than 5,000. So not a bad force. That's not horrible. No, it's not the 80 that try to take Edinburgh (laughs) Castle, but like you're doing okay. Whereas, um... Argyle's coming back up. He's coming for you. I just keep picturing it as a sweater, though. Maybe he went to war with a sweater. How about with that? With an Argyle sweater. Yes. <laughs> I will hit you with fashion and my sword. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> this sweater will strangle you. <laughs> so the government for- forces have heavy artillery, and they're moving quickly. So Mar is trying to, like, get up to Perth. Because remember, they tried to take out Sterling. They failed. And so he- Mar's like, we're going to burn villages so that way Argyle cannot get supplies because that's kind of how you would do it unless you had supply trains you just steal shit you were the government so I guess it's requisition shit but borrowing (laughs) borrowing without not giving money or returning yes it's like a bad neighbor (laughs) so January 30th Mar leads the Jacobites out of Perth and James leaves February 4th going to Montrose in France so he's like he's like goodbye Scotland (laughs) I will miss you. So he, he, he's there for, he gets there at the end of December and leaves at the beginning of February. So he's really only there for January. <laughs> I've seen enough. He misses, yeah, he misses most of his uprising. I've seen enough. Have a good day. I should say his first uprising. Because he lives through all of them, actually. Many of the Jacobite prisoners were hung for treason or tried for treason and sentenced to death. Um, I'm just going to say, I guess, just picture what happened in Braveheart or just people being hung. Do what you will. Uh, we do know that Henry Oxford on May 14th, 1716 was hung, drowned, and quartered at Tyburn, oh. so in London, because they would take them to different places and, like, make an example of you. And uh, Game of Thrones, where they put people's head on pikes on, like, the gates, That th- they did that. On many cities, they did that. Or put you your body in a cage until you basically decayed away. The drawn and quarter might be the worst. I think that might be worse than any. Yeah, the the horses. Yeah. Because you're alive. Yeah, they, they take you, like, uh, if I remember correctly, it's like horses to each side. Uh-huh. Drawn apart. And then you keep, they keep doing that till you're quartered. I, no, there's the one worst. where they like, there's one where they like cut you, like they cut you open while you're still alive. What's there's wrong a, with like, the ship? Like the ship, isn't that their one? Is that Keelhaul? Oh, Keelhaul. Yeah. Keelhaul, um, yeah, they just drag you along the side of the ship. I mean, that's gotta be awful too, right? I mean, none of them are good. The drawn and quarter might be the worst. you think you drowned first. Yeah. And like you like if you've seen the bottom of ships, like there's a ton of barnacles. None of them are great. You just no. want that's why um Anne Boleyn paid for a French swordsman to like decapitate her because it was like she got the honor of paying to someone give her a quick death because the other deaths you don't practice being an executioner, let's put it that way. No. 
<laughs> There's nothing on that. You're not chopping a carrot and go, you know what? I think I'm good at this. Let me go do that. Yeah. So the Indemnity Act of July 177 pardoned all of those who'd taken part in the Rising, but the whole clan of Gregor, including Rob Roy McGregor, was specifically excluded for benefits of that act. <laughs> so no forgiveness for you. <laughs> Everybody's good, except for you, you, and you. Fuck your whole family in particular. Because <laughs> that's like a clan kind of deal, like, fuck all of you. <laughs> I don't know what he did, but he just pissed them off a lot. <laughs> so remember, that happened, that end in 16. Now we have the rising of 19. Do you want to guess when that occurred? I'm going 1719. Yes. <laughs> we waited three years. <laughs> because, so remember I said there's the War of the Spanish Succession, and that's happening during this time. And there's also... Philip V of King of Spain, where he's fighting the British in Sicily, like he's occupied in Sicily. So he's like, you know what would be great to distract the the English? A Jacobite rebellion. We haven't had one in so long. Let's do it. We've, I mean, we've had the first one. We've had the second one. But what about Elevensies? <laughs> you know, there are so many Lord of the Rings references in these. Do they get Ents to walk with them? Do they get Ents? <laughs> there are no Ents in this. They would have won. They would have so won. <laughs> so the Spanish, and I believe we're still in the Bourbons, so you know, or the Habsburgs, so you know, like the Great Jaws, the inbreeding, great times. Spanish were like, okay, let's get George Keith, the Earl of Marshall, who had been exiled in Spain since the 1715 rebellion. <laughs> you know, it's fine. They're like, you were, you were kind of there for that rebellion, but let's bring you back. So they were going to get 5,000 Spanish troops under the exiled Duke of Armande to land in southwest England and march on London. So they're like, fuck going through the north. We're coming to you from the south. Surprise. Armand wanted to add another element in this because he's involved in peace talks between Sweden and Russia. <laughs> like, how many European countries can we add to this at this point? <laughs> Charles Twelfth of Sweden was in fights with the Hanovers over territories in Germany because, remember, Germany's not a thing. And, you know, they're like, okay, we're going to get Swedish troops. But guess what? Charles dies. Sorry, Charles. <laughs> I feel like that's how it goes a lot. It's just like, and they died. And their plans were foiled. He, so he dies in November 1718. So the Swedes are out. And the Russians are just kind of out because they're like, what? Where this is? No. The Scottish landing was commanded by George Keith who left Besajes on March 8th, and he gets 300 Spanish Marines aboard two frigates. They land at Stornway at the, in the Isle of Lewis, where they're joined with exiles from France. This includes the Earl of Seaforth, James Keith, the Marquess of... <laughs> Own it. Own it. Tullibarn. Sounds good. Yep. George Lord Maury and Cameron of Lochiel. So we've heard some of these names before. Like, oh yeah, they're back because they got kicked out. <laughs> they're like the Rolling Stones <laughs> of Rebellion. They just keep coming back. Like, it's, uh, what is, uh, from, uh, Scream Queens? Surprise, bitch. <laughs> Remember We're me in 1715? We're back. <laughs> Playing our greatest hits. <laughs> yes. The... British were upset with the French because they're like, stop allowing them free passage. Like, stop. Um, they also believed that it would, the French were allowing this because they're like, they have expensive pensions granted by Louis the Fourteenth to Jacobite exiles. So the French government's paying the exiles, like pensions. <laughs> Fair. That's a lot of money. So like extravagant lifestyles, you know, you got to keep up. You got to have all the carriages. You got to go to the parties. The wigs. Oh, the wigs. So mm. many wigs. So... Tubardine wanted to, he's like, okay, we should wait until we hear from 
the Duke of Oleman. And Keith is like, let's take Inverness before the cat. Like, they're, they're aware of this. Well, Keith we- wins out and they land uh, April 13th at Lakshla. Lakshla? <laughs> I'm just going to wait for the angry UK listeners right now. <laughs> Lockjaw. Just go with Lockjaw. That's what you're going with. That's what it sounds Lockjaw. like. Lockjaw. <laughs> Lockjaw. We're America, damn it. Let's <laughs> go with that. We really can't judge because we already butcher all of their names. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Versailles. My favorite one. <laughs> Versailles. Oh, uh, Seville's? Seville's? <laughs> Ma'am, there, there's no way that is. Um, so they land in Lockjaw in Mackenzie Territory and then set up a base at Eileen Donnan. And there they learn that Ormond's not coming. <laughs> The fleet was damaged by a storm and they couldn't come. <laughs> ah, I don't feel like it. Have a good day. <laughs> it's like, oh, we should have waited. We would look less dumb. <laughs> and so Tuberine was like, he's the commander of the land forces. He's like, let's retreat. And Keith had prevented this by ordering the frigates back to Spain. So they are stuck there. <laughs> There's a lot of really great decisions that are happening. Uh, so they're like, well, Let's go to Inverness. They get around 1,000 men. They have 400 Mackenzies, 150 Camerons, Spaniards, and other various groups. So this Motley Goonies crew is going for it. It's like one big super group. It's um the Live Aid or like the We Are the World yeah. like thing. You two there. An... Is Bono yeah. one of the generals in this? Fuck sure, Bono. why not? <laughs> Bob Dylan's in the back like, why am I here? <laughs> You know, he does that so, now anyway. <laughs> Anytime. He always did that. Bob Dylan. <laughs> Why am I here? I don't know. Go out there. Just sing along or act like you're singing. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Just look like you belong. No one cares. Uh, they brought arms and ammunitions for 2,000 men. They stored the access at Eileen Donan and they left it guarded by 40 Spanish Marines. Well, the Royal Navy hears about the landing at Stornway and they're like, um, cool. So they five Royal Navy ships come up. They did not know that the Spanish frigates had already left, which this is about when the, the British Navy is starting to get the reputation of being a really fucking awesome Navy. And, you know, if you think about it, they have four 50 gun fort rate, fourth rate HMS. So they're the assistance Worcester, Dartmouth and Enterprise and a 24 gun sloop Flameborg. So they got some some gunpowder. They got a little firepower. Floor. Just a smidge. Just a little bit. The Spaniards are like, we're going back home with Armand. <laughs> we're, we're leaving. Have a good day. We're going to get our little like dinghy and we'll just row across the channel like we could. Have a good day, we guys. Could. I don't like England in March anyways. <laughs> so the assistants in Dartmouth are patrolling the waters around Sky with the Worcester Enterprise and Flamborg anchored off Eileen Donnan on the north side of Loch Durick on in May 10th, you know? So Tuberlin sees this and goes, okay, let's go inland because we cannot escape by sea, <laughs> which is fair. True. Five like British Navy ships. You're like, was, and he I, didn't even want to be here. I'm not even supposed to be here. <laughs> What's this? This is my off day. I was not supposed to be here. And now I got five ships coming at me. No, I'm done. I'm out. So the government force under Joseph Wright- Reitman is advancing towards them from Inverness. So they stuck between a rock and the British army. The landing party had captured the castle by the evening and the prisoners are taken by the Flamberg to Edinburgh. So they already got those 40 Spanish dudes. They're they're already taken to Edinburgh. They are reported to be as an Irish captain, a Spanish lieutenant, a Spanish sergeant, 39 Spanish soldiers, and a Scots rebel. It's like, it literally is a mot- motley crew. It, it's <laughs> So they had blown up the castle, 
the ships remained at Loch Derrick for the next two weeks, looking for the rebels, raiding the nearby town of Stromsferry and the island of Rasse. Then we get to the Battle of Glenshill. It's the 10th of June, 1719. This is this is like the saddest one. <laughs> it's just like, guys, guys just barely landed and you already got like people taken. So General Joseph Wright- Reitman leaves Inverness uh, for Glenshill on June 5th with around a thousand men and four cohorn mortars, like cannons. They reach Loch Conenny on June 8th, June 9th. So they're eight miles away from the Jacobite camp. Tulbarnine had blocked the pass running through Five Sisters Hills with the Spanish in the center and the Highlanders flanking on either side. They built a series of trenches and barricades so they're, they're gonna lay Miz this shit. <laughs> Reutemann arrives around 4pm on June 10th, begins the attack an hour later, so they're like we got this, set up firing their mortars at the Jacobite flanking position. The Scots hadn't account, like encountered mortars before because this is where we're starting to get more of a rapid invention of warfare tools. And Whiteman's infantry advances up the hills to their lines, threw grenades to bomb them out of their position. I like it. I like it. So we have 17, like 18th century grenades, like early 18th century grenades. I'm like, those have got to be real stable. Real accurate. I, I don't see anything that could go wrong with that. <laughs> uh the Spanish actually stood their ground, but had to withdraw up the mountain as, like, the flanks start to give in because grenades and mortar. Like, everything's blowing up. It lasts until 9 p.m. when there are several accounts of the heath catching fire. So the ground is on fire. <laughs> you know, you've made a bad choice for the day. I think it's time to go home. The gra- the heath, it's on fire. Just, just go home. So the smoke and the failing light actually allows for the bulk of the Scots to disappear. So they just vanish into the night. And... The Spanish would surrender the next morning. They shipped the regular troops home because, you know, they're just following orders. Like, they didn't volunteer for this shit. Uh, Lord George Murray, Seaforth, and Tubarine are wounded, but the Jacobite leaders actually managed to escape. Again. <laughs> Again. Well, I think the first time they just were like, like, go into exile, like, leave. <laughs> Um, Lord Carpenter, the commander in Scotland, advised the government in pursuing, like, he's like, don't pursue them. It's impractical. Just let them go. It's going to be more work. Because, again, they've spent so much money on this. (laughs) And they're fighting other wars. And they have, like, colonies and all this shit. Like, they're colonizing America right now. You know, these assholes over here that keep rebelling. (laughs) Can we just pay them off? Pay them off. Just let them go. (laughs) Like, this is what I laugh about, because, like, you have to think what else is going on at this point. Like, they're traveling to China, they're traveling to India, like, setting, like, slave trade, the Americas, is all happening while the Scots are like, fuck you! <laughs> so, June 16th, 1719, uh, to Berlin, writes to the Earl of Mar. Remember that guy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look who's back. So he writes to him, providing a description of the battle, and states, quote, it was it a fair bid to ruin the king's interest and faithful subjects in these parts. So, like, basically, he's, he's like, you know, it wasn't great. We didn't do a great job. We probably ruined, like, our cause in this, this area. They're probably not going to help us next time. That's it. Christmas is canceled again. Yeah. <laughs> Scottish Christmas is canceled again. <laughs> Just again. Uh, the government, so the Hanoverians agree with Carpenter's recommendation and actually leave the Highland levies alone. Seaforth's tenants would continue paying rents to him in exile. So, like, Seaforth is still getting money from Scotland. Like, his, his estate's still running and giving him money. They didn't do shit. 
the Mackenzie's choice defeated attempts by the commission of forfeited estates to collect them. So basically they were like, you don't longer have these estates. And they were like, no, 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 no. I just love the, like, it's like the balls to just do it. Be like, nope, we're going to come like, because of this, you forfeited your estates, both at uh, Glen, Afric and Cole Bon. And the both times they were just like, no, I don't think so. And this really proves that the Highlands could not be governed without the cooperation of the clan chiefs. And really, when Seaforth returned from exile in 1726, so not even a decade later. <laughs> Guess who's back? He, the government could restore control in the Mackenzie's territory. So they kind of brought him back. They're like, we need your help. You guys don't listen to anybody besides each other. Like, yeah. We know. That's why you guys aren't winning. So many exiles actually accepted pardon. This would include Bolingbroke, George Murray. Others took service elsewhere. So George and James Keith both became Prussian generals, like Germany area. So that's the end of the Rising of 19. So we've hit three. We still do not have a steward on the throne. A Catholic steward. <laughs> and know, only once they made it into England. You know, at this point, I think I would have just given up. Like, you know what? We tried a lot. We keep coming back. And maybe we should ha- have some new blood in here. Maybe. Oh, we're going to get some new blood. <laughs> it's not the greatest, <laughs> but we're going to get some new blood. Okay, we got one more. We got it. I, I, I got this. We're going to win. We're going to win this time. We're going to win. This is the, probably the most famous. It's a Jacobite Rising of 1745. This is probably the one most people know of because, you know, they like they left it alone for a couple decades. Like I said, 19th of like the 20s. They got like 25 years apiece. Everyone, shh, we all forgot about it. It's fine. It's fine. So one drunk guy said, hey, remember that rebellion back in 1719? Fuck and those guys. Slept- I was going to say, oh, remember that rebellion? Everyone slaps their hand over his mouth like, <laughs> shut up. The, the English are outside. You know Keep what? shit together. We're going to do it. Let's do it this time for real. Get the band back together. They do. But we got a new leader. <laughs> of course they do. Why not? It's no longer James the Third. No, it's James the Second, great grandson, Charles the Third, a.k.a. Body Prince Charles, a.k.a. What a Weird Dude. <laughs> And, you know, the real support in this is the opposition to the 1707 Union. Yes, I know. It's been a minute. (laughs) But they bitter. And, you know, so there was some opposition, but it's really like the economic benefit. They're like, money, obviously. What is it? Who said it? It's like, it's the economy, stupid. The economy plays a big role. If you can feed your family and shit and have nice things, people tend to not revolt. Correct. So we really see this marked in Edinburgh, which is where the former Scottish Parliament was, and in the Highlands. So the lowlands of Scotland, which are some say like Northern England, I don't, but like it's easier. It's not as hilly. It's There's more po- population there. What's Charles' plan? Oh, Bonnie Prince Charlie. He wants to reclaim the throne of a united Great Britain. So he wants to keep it united, but he's like, I should be on the throne, not that German dude. And rule on the principles of divine rights of king and absolutism. Remember, he's been, he grew up in france at the time of the sun king the guy who built versailles and so like that idea is really really popular over there not so popular in england and scotland these ideas were rejected by the 1688 glorious revolution and his you know it just starts to get he gets like insular advisors who are 
like long-term English or Irish Catholic exiles. So you have people who haven't been there in a while and they're like, this is a great idea. And he's like, yes, it is. That never happens nowadays. No, never. Never. This is from different from Scottish Protestant nationalists who were the bulk of the Jacobite support in 45 who really opposed the union catholicism and arbitrary <laughs> it's going well just, just go just keep yep you know that the picture where the dog's sitting in the fire and they go it's fine yep that's this what is this every is. planning meeting of this yep it's fine we see in 1743 the treaty of fontainebleau or Pacte de famille uh-huh. louis and his uncle philip v of spain because Habsburgs just be fucking everybody. Um, literally <laughs> be fucking everybody. Look up pictures of the older Habsburgs. Their faces be fucked up. <laughs> uh, they have a jaw condition named after them. Like, it's gross. So Louis and Philip V agreed to cooperate against Britain in an attempt to support the restoration of the Stuarts. So now they don't just have, like, Spain or just have France. They have the combined powers of Spain and France. Superpowers? Okay. Super Catholic powers versus the Protestant <laughs> powers. Which sadly, after the Reformation, is just how things start organizing. Except for France and Spain still fucking hate each other. They're married into each other, but they still hate each other. In November of 43, Louis advises James on the invasion. They're like, okay, we're going to plan it for February the next year. We're going to start tramble- like tr- assembling troops around 12,000 and transports at Dunkirk and they're like you know it's easy to get up the Thames on a single tide that way well the Royal Navy's like hey that's hella suspicious and we know about it which you never want to fight the Royal Navy anyways well yeah at this point they've already taken out the like the uh, Spanish Armada like that like they have like big battles under their belt and you know the French are like okay we're gonna go and breast and we're gonna do like they're basically putting in a show they're like, we're preparing over here. We're preparing over here. The Royal Navy's like, dude, we we patrol the channel all the time. Like, we can just sail up and down. It's cool. Thanks. You do you, though, sir. <laughs> so James III is chilling in Rome of course with the Pope. He is. Why not? I'll be honest. At this point, fuck this guy. <laughs> I mean, seriously. So Charles secretly joins the the invasion force, but when the French admiral Rocafus Rocamou, yep, yep, that sounds right. Okay, feels. Mm-hmm. Squadron left Brest January 1744. The Royal Navy was like, "Now nah, we know this is fake," and they don't follow. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. They're just like, nah. Like, like, and the ships are chilling there too. They're like, nah. Naval operations against Britain actually take place in winter because the winds and tides make it harder for the British to like actually have a blockade because of the winter storm. So they're like, it's the best time to do this. But that's their best defense. Like remember in 1719, they couldn't uh, get up to England to invade from the south because there was a storm and right. they had to turn around. That's also how they won against the Spanish Armada. The channel was just like, later bitches. Well, storms sank a number of the French ships and really damaged others. So Rocafils actually died. He was in the casualties too. So you're just like, mm. March, Louis was like, cancel the invasion. Let's just declare war on Britain. Like, let's go. <laughs> I like the idea. I like the idea of that. This like, rebellion's not working. Just do it. He's like, and Britain's like, that escalated quickly. <laughs> Remember that small rebellion? Yeah, it didn't work. The French are just sitting over there flipping them off like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> That's how I want to just picture them as the Monty Python knight taunting King Arthur. We already got one. And that's all this is. 
we already got one. <laughs> Fuck you. Like, just chucking cows at them. <laughs> like, You know what? I would have more respect for the French back then if they did chuck the cows at them. I would be okay with that. Right in August of that year, Charles makes it to Paris. And he's like, let's do an alternative landing in Scotland instead of near like the Thames and John Gordon of Glen Bucket had actually proposed a similar plan in 1738 because remember I've skipped over a lot of them these are the big ones there's other ones that just <laughs> happened like if you look at the main Wikipedia page I think there's like nine like there's just a lot and there's just like spontaneous uprisings and stuff and you're just but that plan had been rejected both by the French and James the third they were like nah that's a stupid idea well Charles Bonnie Prince Charles meets with Sir John Murray of Broughton, who is the liaison between the Stuarts and their supporters. And he's like, Charles, that's not a good idea. And Charles was like, it's a great idea. I'm telling you, I'm God's choice. It's a great idea. Well, I didn't realize how relevant that would be. Uh, <laughs> a leader not listening to its advisors. Okay. Um, <laughs> never happen. Never happens. Never. So Murray goes to the Scots with this and they're like, okay, well, we can't do a rising without a lot of French backing, like a lot of men, a lot of like troops and all of that. And they're like, it's a gamble, but if the French will do it. So Charles spends the first months of 45 purchasing weapons. There is a victory at Fontenroy in April that like really encouraged the French authorities. They're like, okay, here's two ships, which if you think about it, that's really nice because those ships are yeah. fucking expensive. They're wooden ships. He got the 16 gun privateer Du Tillet and Elizabeth, which was an, I love this description, an elderly 64 gun warship, <laughs> which probably means it, it's sailing. It's just real, real sketchy. It's seen a lot of action. <laughs> yeah. And they captured it from the British in 1704, which actually, yeah, for a wooden ship, that's an old fucking wooden ship. And it would carry the weapons and around 100 volunteers from the French Ar the French Army's Irish Brigade. Because you would, like, there'd be brigades of different, like, nationalities fighting in Europe because you would just go where the money was. So you'd be, like, there'd be, like, French soldiers in the British Navy, um, like, Irish soldiers fighting for with the Italians. Like, the Scots were well known to be hired out. It's a great way to make money and send it back to your family or if you don't have opportunities. Well, July uh, 1749, Bonnie Prince Charles arrives in Outer Hebrides and gathered support. And by September of that year, they managed to take Edinburgh without a fight. So they just stroll up. This is ours. Get out. This is, this is ours now, yeah. Um, the government maintains the control of the castle and they crowned James III, his father, King of Scotland with Charles the third as regent. Fuck this guy. James isn't there. Fuck this guy. <laughs> Seriously. James isn't in Rome. No. There, Charles publicly renounces the union with England, and Scottish leaders were like, what? Because, like, you have to remember that clan chiefs, they aren't in the planning meetings initially, and they're just like, oh, we were going to invade England. We really enjoy that. It's a good time. <laughs> Did you not get our PowerPoint? We sent it. <laughs> Didn't, he didn't read the email. <laughs> they do invade England. So they're just going to claim it all for Scotland now. Uh, it goes actually pretty well. There's little resistance. They get several forts, small towns, a number of city. But the Jacobites are like, hey, the locals aren't joining us? Interesting. There are even little support from cities that were like strongholds in the 1715 uprising. Three men joined from the town of Preston, which had been a major source of support. Manchester 
is an exception and set several hundred men to the cause. I think Manchester just is like, fuck the Southern England, fuck <laughs> London. But the Jacobite leaders realize like, hey, if we're cut off from Scotland, the further south we go, this is a bad idea because that's where all our actual support and supplies are. So they decide to retreat north and ultimately this does nothing. It accomplishes little except for pissing off the English more. So they go back to Scotland. They're like, okay, we've got to settle in our position. And they managed to keep taking towns that had troops loyal to George II. Because at this point, we're on the second George. This is how long they were still fighting. <laughs> yes. We've gone through, I think, like four or five British monarchs, like English monarchs in this period. <laughs> they run into trouble at the at Stirling Castle. They sieged it. Charles led the siege himself. It did not go well. And relief forces arrive from England and he runs away. Uh, right? You're just like, so mm -hmm. General Henry Hawley was the English general. And he set, he actually sent advanced troops to relieve the castle as he followed up with more troops. He's like, okay, they're going to take up defensive positions, which then they're going to be between, be between a castle that doesn't like them and soldiers that don't like them. But okay. And he left his army encamped. Um, this is January 17th, 46. And he took his headquarters at a mansion 2,000 yards away. Because that's what I like to do, is to be 2,000 yards away from my troops. In a mansion. <laughs> In a mansion. Dude, just sleep in a tent. It's fine. You guys look like I you're going great. I get your wigs dirty, but... I know it's January in England, but you guys are fine. You're fine out there. Well, they're in Scotland, so it's even colder. Oh, Scotland, colder. my bad. Sorry. <laughs> I don't think it matters. <laughs> it's January. And you're not in the Southern Hemisphere, so it's cold as hell. Yes. Well, the Jacobites were like, oh, hey there, friend. Attack. Holly did not realize the attack was coming until the battle had basically begun. So, you know, he... Because he had ignored the earlier reports like, hey, there's there's people coming. And so the men and the guns were out of position. Plus, it had rained a lot. So trying to move like heavy ton pound cannons in the rain. Not, not going to go easy. well. Also, imagine so many men marching and stuff. It's muddy as hell. So they're not moving fast. The Highlanders decimated Holly's cavalry charge. And the Highlanders launched into their famous Highlander charge. They would fire a single single volley, then dropping their guns and charging with swords uh, through like the wind and the rain. And the English were like, "No, nah, we good, we good." <laughs> Could you imagine that? You see people like they bend down, shoot, drop, like fuck the gun. It takes like five minutes to reload and just come out swords blazing, and you're just like in kilts. Like I would be scared too. So they win that battle, but. They will meet again at Culloden. Have you heard about what happens at Culloden? I have not. It doesn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it this way. This is April in Scotland, so it's damp. I'm I'm assuming it's mostly damp. It's, mostly it's Yeah, it's always damp. But it's especially damp. <laughs> so the government forces, so the Hanoverians are led by Prince Augustus, the Duke of Cumberland, while Charles commands the Jacobites. So Charles, like, I mean, I will give him this. He was there. He did do things. He showed up. Thank you, Charles. He did. Which is more than his dad did. Remember, <sighs> his dad was there for the month of January once, and Fuck. then just never showed up again. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, let's talk about the Jacobite army's disadvantages. They aborted a night attack on the 15th because they're like, oh, we can't avoid the patrols. They were already tired because they had a fight across a moor, which really limited their movement. And the Duke of Cumberland realized his artillery advantages because they're at like a flat field. So you can see for a while. So it's like you can't surprise people. Correct. And he has guns. So he, uh, Cumberland begins bombarding the Jacobites with cannons. And this is where a lot of their casualties come into it. Well, some of the men were like, fuck this. And they start charging instead of waiting to be killed while like standing really nice in lines. And they, there was an improvised Highland charge that actually ran into a canister shot and m- multiple volleys of like musket fire. So it doesn't work well as well. Some do manage to break through the first enemy line only to find more soldiers. Could you imagine you fight through and then like you fight through a company and then there's more people and you're just like, shit. I'm just, I- so, I'm going back that way. I- I'm sorry about that. Uh, did I, did I, I am accidentally here. I think I parked that way I, I gotta go i parked my horse that way gotta go see ya yep so they retreat having lost about a third of their force and you know this is essentially where the rising stop they like charles orders his remaining men to disband and he goes to rome france oh france yeah because why fuck that guy <laughs> at this point fuck that guy. he does end up back in rome um but he, so, you know, he keeps going up to the French. He's like, hey, look at how good we did. We made it into England. And he never will return. His reputation is ruined, not just because he's a military failure, but he's also a heavy drinker. And he fights often, often <laughs> with other Scottish leaders. I believe his dad dies in 66. He returns to Rome where he dies in 1788. And, you know, this is, it, it went okay. Like, for... <laughs> Jacobite rebellion and then just turned into a dumpster fire. <laughs> I like how was the peak of it? Eh, it was okay. It was fine. <laughs> Cause I mean they made it pretty far into England, they... which they hadn't done since fifteen, but they didn't have that support because they kept if you keep traumatizing a public, they're gonna be like, No, we good. We good. You're not going they... to, when he they don't get the villages on their side after they take over, it's over. Yeah, because they're the ones that are gonna help you out if the government soldiers come that's right. always how it helps so didn't they watch kevin costner and robin hood that's how you do it <laughs> take the entire castle that's right <laughs> <laughs> you get the people to help in shorewood mm-hmm. so this will be catastrophic for both the catholics and the scots the english are done with this shit so they implemented various laws at that were to repress gaelic culture this includes traditional Highland dress, which would include kilts and tar- tartan, which would be it's banned in 46. We see that they're forced to turn over their weapons and forts because they're like, nope, you can't rebel that way if you don't have weapons or forts. The clans were stripped of many of their traditional rights. Lands were seized by those who were sympathetic to the Jacobites. And I, for me, this like they've already started doing that in Ireland, but this is really where you can see them being like, to tamp something down, you have to take away a culture. You have to take away an identity. You have to take away their power. And we'll see them try to do that in other places. And it works. Mm. You implement a culture that's not their own and you make it beneficial to people. They're going to follow it. And, like, it took away Highland culture significantly. Um, you know, there was a brief revival. Of course. In the late- in the late 1800s but it loses popularity as monarchies across europe collapse like during and after the second world war there still are jacobites today but 
it's like after 45 it was just especially like when you look at bonnie prince charles he is such a weird tragic figure and believes so much in himself that he just doomed it because his father james was like I think more pragmatic about things. And Bonnie Prince Charles is like, well, it's my God-given right. Everyone should listen to me. And how many times does that happen in history? And it fails every single time. Well, it's like, it works if you're also an expert strategist, like a strategist or Mm -hmm. you're good at politics. Like that's how the Sun King did it. He thought politically and he said it was his God-given right. If you suck at it, As we it's, have just, seen. <laughs> it's just not going to go well and your people are going to suffer. And like the sad thing is, I think that was his only time in Scotland <laughs> was for the rebellion. So those are the Jacobite rebellions. It's very long. I'm sorry. Not that sorry. <laughs> Considering I covered what was that like? I don't know, like 60 years of history. That was pretty good in an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. Hour and 40. That's not bad. So do you want to tell everybody where to find you if yes. they want to listen? Uh, we are on Twitter at Bad Ideas Podcast. Uh, we're pretty vocal on that. Uh, and then we have a, um, we come out every Tuesday uh, on, you know, whatever. Apple, Google, everything. Amazon, Alexa, whatever. Uh, pretty much anything that you, anytime you get your podcast stuff. We do have a YouTube channel to the History of Bad Ideas. Because um, we do a live, we tape our podcast and we also do it live now. Since COVID, nobody's in the studios anymore because uh, I'm a germaphobe. So I kicked everyone out and it's uh, <laughs> done. Uh, we built the studio in my basement in November and by March, everybody was out after five, years, six years. I was like, hey, it took six years to build a studio. Get the fuck out. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm in the studio now. It's nice. Uh, but anyways, um, so we do uh, record live shows and put them up on YouTube that night, too. So that's been fun. Uh, but yeah, it's the history of bad ideas. Uh, we come out every Tuesday night. So just out. And uh, we've gone 358 episodes without missing a week. So we have. You beat me. I've missed months. <laughs> It was basically one of those things that we started like, let's see how long we can do it. Now, at Christmas time, we do like record three episodes at one time and then spread them out uh, for the holidays and that. But um, yeah, any any other week, it's every single week. Uh, And that is the benefit of having three to five people on a round. You know, if one misses, I missed two weeks ago for an anniversary. They didn't miss me. They just kept going. (laughs) So I just said, do it. So that does have a flexibility. But yeah, so we talk pop culture, everything else. And um, pretty much um, we talk topics every five to ten minutes, which topics. And there's some cussing, some British slang, and uh, lots of bad impressions. Good day, mate. (laughs) Perfect. Well, you won't be back next week, sadly. But there'll be someone else. That's right. I appreciate you letting me come on. Uh, I, going into a deep dive of missing persons last week. Trust me, I, I I appreciate it a lot. No one else ever humors me. <laughs> You're welcome to come on and talk missing persons anytime. I love debating these things. I, I got another one I'm working on. I'm, I'm going to let you know. So. Okay. Hey, everybody. This is Jason. And Jeff. And Blake. And we're the History of Bad Ideas podcast. And if you like hearing uh, geeks talk about... Fisto from He-Man? Or zombies or dragons or zombie dragon? I was given copy to read, but it's a piece of crap. So if you just like any geek or any fun stuff, listen. We drop every Wednesday on iTunes, Stitcher, Tangent Bound Network, or WeBeGeeksPC.com. Oh, God, I'm out. And remember to wear a coat. Hi, everyone. I'm Daniel. I'm Holly. And we are the hosts of Murd Up, a murder story podcast. It's just me reading murder stories to Daniel that he knows nothing about. Nothing at all. Like Jon Snow. So I'm just like, uh, what? 
and Are You Serious? And a whole lot more. It's one case per episode, and it comes out every Monday. You do not have to be a True Crime fan to enjoy. That's right. I'm not, yes. but I, uh, I enjoy it. But if you are a True Crime fan, that works too. There it is. Murd Up Mondays. MurdUpPodcast.com. See ya. Peace. Domesticity. We're available on all podcatchers. Remember to rate, review, subscribe to help spread the word, or just force other people to listen to it. Our Facebook and Twitter are at domestic podcasts and our instagram is at the cult of domesticity we also have podcast merch at threadless uh as well if you want to support us financially or show some appreciation we have a paypal tip jar and a patreon which has some pretty great perks any topic suggestions feel free to email us at domesticpodcasts at gmail.com remember to stay domestic and cult free Mm -hmm.